Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. So we, we the last, I don't know, maybe two months now, we've done question and answers. You know, kind of an opportunity during the service to, to text your questions in about the sermon or about the book we had looked at. And my daughter, Naomi, who's nine years old, loves submitting questions to the question and answers. In, in fact, a fair amount of them in the beginning were, have been hers. She's constantly coming over and whispering suggestions for me to, to submit. And, and often those questions are around those Christian words or phrases. You know, those things that, that we just kind of say without breaking down what they mean. So what, what does living your faith out mean? What does fleshly desires mean? Those types of things that we say them and we kind of blow past them and move on to the point. But what Naomi has reminded me is as she's asking these questions of to actually stop and think about some of these words and what they actually mean is important. It's been really good for me to to stop and, and then have to explain to Naomi what we actually mean by some of these phrases or words. You know, their, their meaning, the significance, why we say them, and what does it look like to use them in our lives. And so today, we're going to look at three of those kind of easily or commonly said words to give ourselves an opportunity to remind ourselves of the meaning and the significance and what they actually entail for us. And those three words are faith, hope, and love. And this is actually kind of like Paul's trifecta. He is big on these three words, and we find them scattered through many of the epistles in different um, ways. I mean, the most famous one is in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But the epistle we're looking at today, 1 Thessalonians, is actually the earliest, in chronological terms, of him putting these three together. Right at the beginning of his his epistle, he uses faith, hope, and love. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, it says, Remembering before our God and Father your works of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith, hope, and love are those words that are used a lot in the Bible. And and in our conversations, we use them. But what are they all about? Faith, hope, and love, their significance just isn't in kind of their virtues alone, but in the source of them, which is Jesus, And what they actually produce in us. And so in this passage, Paul actually adds some of the qualifiers to give us clues what they actually look like in action. And so I'm going to talk about the labors of love first. Because love actually drives all three of these things. Faith, hope, and love are driven 
by love. And so I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the, the Greek and, and intellectualize this, because I think sometimes going into word meanings can kind of get muddy the water. But actually, in this case, this is actually important. The Greeks had many different words to talk about different types of love. We just have love. But the word used here in the Greek is agape. And this word actually wasn't a commonly used word until Christians, early, uh, early Christians took it and used it to describe the love from God that we experience and share. So it, it helps to kind of contrast it. Another word for love was eros, the romantic love. And that was a love. The definition was love given to the worthy and de- it desires to possess. Agape love, in contrast, though, is love given without pause to merit and love that seeks to give. And so agape love is what Jesus gives. Because we see in 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. And he offers this love to us. He offers this agape love without pause to our worthiness and without a desire to dominate us. And so we can respond to this offer of agape love in two ways. We can yield to the divine agape love and be transformed by it, or we can choose choose to reject and shut it out. But as we are transformed by yielding to God's love that's not earned nor desires to consume us, we then are called and capable of labors of love. And so labors of love, labor, this isn't just like, oh, you know, I went and did some labor for a few hours shoveling something. This is like intense labor, unceasing hardship out of love. This type of labor of love is not a feeling, not the emotional love, not because we feel like it, but this is loving like Jesus. And oh man, when we look at the gospels of Jesus' life, this is not an easy feat. This is hard, forgiving those that have hurt us when they don't even realize they hurt us or don't actually even care if they hurt us. Choosing to forgive, willing to serve, maybe when no one says thank you or even recognize what it's cost us. Engaging with people really differently than us that have differently held beliefs and still showing up in love, even if the other people aren't. This is what loving like Jesus looks like. And it's possible because we carry the love of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 13, that whole chapter shows what love looks like from Jesus and what we're capable of. And when we read that, that is hard love. It, it sounds really nice, but man, this week, take a moment, read 1 Corinthians 13. When you think about what that looks like in action, it feels impossible. Love keeps no record of wrong. I can't do that. Does not boast. Long-suffering. Oh, goodness. Well, failed right there on a couple accounts. 
But it is possible when we've encountered the agape love of Jesus. If we try and do these labor of love without experiencing and being transformed by the love of Jesus, it's impossible. We get spent, we get burnt out, we, we end up in a codependent relationship. Because identity always precedes behavior. If we have our identity rooted in the love of Jesus, we can actually show up giving labors of love. If, if we haven't experienced this love and we're showing up trying to just kind of work without the encounter, it kind of turns into this weird it's all about me thing. I don't know if any of you have done this, but I've done this, where we show up, I show up serving, I show up laboring, and I, and I get upset or angry or hurt when I labor because people aren't giving me what I wanted out of what I thought I was doing. You know, kind of like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm showing up really lovely to my kids and I'm laboring and I'm being kind and I'm doing all these things. And what I want back from them is I want love or affirmation or I want them to behave in a great way out in public so I look great. And when they don't do that, I'm annoyed and angry because I'm actually not coming to it from a place of, I carry the love of Jesus that is given without pause to merit and without a desire to dominate. When I'm filled with that type of love, oh, I can show up differently to my kids and labor in love there. I can show up differently in my job here and express that love. So, have you yielded to God's love? Where is maybe God inviting you to labor with his love when maybe you've just been laboring? So the first step is yielding to the agape love of God, allowing ourselves to be transformed and then laboring out of that love which then leads to works of faith. So faith, believing what God says to be true about himself. Believing what God says about you to be true. And believing what God says he will do, he will do. And that leads to behavior that matches, actually. If there's incongruency between you know, what you believe or think you believe and how you're actually acting, what are you actually believing at the root? And we are called to works energized by faith. So in James 2.18, we see, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, some may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So faith is that tricky spot of it's both active and there's passive. It's the sweet spot of not trying to strive or control or to earn something or prove something. But it's active and living out. Faith without works is dead. But, but let me be very clear. 
Works without love and faith is equally dead. They need to, together, it isn't a, oh, well, I just need to go and do all the stuff to prove that I have faith. No, 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 it's works energized, rooted in the faith and love. So let me give you an example of this. And um, I was, years ago now, when I was in Bible college, uh, there was a youth workers conference, and a woman came in that I had known from my church years ago, but since then she had, had left uh, vocational ministry, and was working downtown east side in, in Vancouver. So that's a place where there's a lot of people who are homeless, a lot of people that have um, addiction problems, a, a place of, of a lot of pain and suffering. And I can't quite remember all the details, but I just remember that she was really heavily involved with the safe injection site there. And it was one of the first in Canada, actually, I believe. And so at the conference, someone asked her, how do you reconcile this? You know, you're, you're providing drugs to people. Like, isn't that something against your beliefs? And man, her answer, whether, wherever you fall on safe injection sites, whatever, that's not the point. Her answer has stuck with me for now probably, I don't know, it's probably close to 20 years now. She said... I believe in a heaven and a hell. I believe that Jesus loves the world and he has come to save those that choose to believe in him. I will work and support at anything that allows people to live longer so that they have a greater chance of hearing and choosing Jesus. Man, her actions aligned with her faith in a a powerful way. We also see in the Bible places where people's actions align with their faith in a powerful way. Man, again, here's another chapter, Hebrews 11. I encourage you to read it this week. Hebrews 11 is all about faith. Works energized by faith. The author of Hebrews lists all these people that their faith translated into action. It was because of faith this person did this. Because of faith, this person did this. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. And when we have lack of faith in God, who he says what he's calling us to, our, our works actually become works for idols. Our actions aren't neutral, actually. All of our actions in grounded in what? or who we are choosing to follow and listen to and believe. So do your actions, works, line up with what you believe? Where are you experiencing incongruency, maybe, between the things you think you believe and what your actions are playing out? So love is the foundation that leads to faith, which then leads hope. So steadfastness of hope. Earthly hope is kind of a temporary thing. We hope for something short term, it doesn't happen, we give up, bummer. Experience some disappointment. But oh, this hope is a different kind of hope. This hope that is grounded in the love of Jesus and faith in his promises, it has an air of certainty to it, a confident expectation 
And that steadfastness word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'm just not, I'm going to butcher it. But what it means is someone who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith, even in the greatest trials and suffering. So we can have unwavering hope in Jesus's return and that all of his promises will come true. Hebrews 6, 18 to 19 says, God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are, are unchangeable because, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And so this unwavering hope isn't a hope in a specific end-time scenario. This isn't a hope rooted in it's going to be pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. This hope is a well-grounded patience that what Jesus has declared he will do, he will do. Romans 8, 23. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And having this unwavering hope grounded in the love of Jesus and faith in his promises, it liberates us, it energizes us, it stabilizes us, and it protects us. What happens if we, we lack the hope in the return of Jesus and the fulfillment of his promises? Well, two things can happen. We can kind of get into the apathy of like, whatever, nothing, it doesn't matter. Meh. Or we can kind of get into the instant gratification. This is as good as it's going to get, so I better get what's good. Both of these things are, are not what Jesus has for us. Jesus has his love. Jesus has his faith for us. Jesus has his hope for us. So where does your hope need to be well-grounded once again in the promises of Jesus? And so these three things, faith, hope, and love, the object and cause of these three is, is God. We are rooted in the love of God. We have faith that what he promises is true, which then feeds our hope of his return. Hope rests on faith, which rests on love. And it all comes down to love of Jesus. So we don't do works to get faith. We don't do labor to receive love. And we don't remain unswerved in purpose to get hope. Faith, hope, and love drives these things. 
So these virtues of faith, hope, and love, they aren't vague, in the sky, nice sort of concepts that we kind of throw out. They are like down in the dirt, getting our hands dirty in the working of them. And the reality is, we get frustrated with people, and God sometimes. We fail in what we wanted to do. We struggle with doubt in if what Jesus says, is that really true? We struggle with that. And in amidst all these things, Jesus is still inviting us to turn to him in faith, serve him in love, and wait in hope for his return. So the worship team can come on up. I, didn't, I never gave you a cue, but this is your cue. So those questions again that I asked at the end of kind of each section on these, where is God inviting you to labor in love? Where is Holy Spirit asking you to align your faith and works once again? And where is Jesus encouraging you to hold fast to his promises in hope? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, show us how to walk in new ways, that we may be people of faith, turning away from idols, that we, we would be people of love, serving those around us, and that we may be people of hope, waiting for the return of Jesus. Thank you that we, we do none of these things alone or on our own strength. Thank you that you have provided a way that we can experience your agape love. This love that you give freely without considering whether we're worthy. And that you give freely without a desire to consume or dominate us. Dear Jesus, I just ask that today you would give us a deeper realization of your deep, deep love for us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.